Good evening. Welcome to your Sunday night edition of Truth Talk. We're so happy you decided to join us tonight for our special edition. We are we're filming a mid-season kind of uh, special edition. We had heard some feedback from viewers that said that they would enjoy some interaction. Um, and so you ask, you receive on this show. So uh, we did invite some guests to join us tonight, some people that had shared that certain parts of other episodes had really engaged them in conversation or thought, or they had some, some ideas or thoughts or or topics they wanted to bring and discuss and so we're like absolutely we can make time for that so that's what we'll be doing tonight this is our mid-season show and we'll be taking a break for a few weeks to just kind of enjoy um life without filming all the time so uh we will be back but we're going to take a break for a couple weeks we have some special guests that we're kind trying to wait on um their their calendars to line up so they can join us so um we're going to take advantage of that and take a break from recording every sunday afternoon uh we're also starting to get back into uh, in-person church services at night so we're going to have to figure out a um, time frame to record that works with both Isabella and Antioch uh, the activities going on in our churches so that we can record so we just want y'all to know if, if you don't see any new episodes after, for a couple of weeks that's why we are taking kind of a mid-season break uh, happy spring today on the date that we are uh, recording is March the 21st and so we're one day into spring and uh, which brings about a whole uh, lot of topics and we hope you enjoy in the episode that um, we recorded last week on Easter and what it means to us and, and everything that Easter means for the Christian. With all that being said, just little updates, we want you to um, really think about questions that, that, that you would like us to answer or address or topics you'd like us to talk about and send them to our email address, abcworth1 at gmail.com. That's abcworth the number one at gmail.com and we'll be happy to um, get those in and use those as topics for the show. Without much further ado, we'd like to welcome our guests for tonight. We have Miss Jenny Warren, uh, Mr. Benji Nelms and Miss Greta Owens from uh, Greta and Benji are um, members at Isabella and Jenny is a member here at Antioch and so we've invited them to come and, and participate and I know we have several topics that we want to get to tonight and um, despite much anxiety and people being on camera for the first time, but we're, we're happy to have them join us. And um, I really want us to be, have an open-ended, we all want us to have an open-ended conversation. So um, I, before we started recording, we were talking about uh, the church and however you get to church. You know, some of us come in different ways. And, and Greta, you were sharing a couple things about how um, you, you started in church and as a child and being there, but just go ahead and um, just what what had led to that earlier conversation where we were going with Well, it. for me, church was sporadic mm -hmm. as a child. No one went every Sunday. Um, I went, you know, the grandparents would get us dressed up and we'd go on Sundays for like Easter or here and there. Right. And then as I got a little bit older, um, you know, I'd go with friends to mm -hmm. church and I was very involved in church with the friends you know i went um to salem for a while was part of the handbells mm -hmm. did the did all of that kind of stuff i've been around to a bunch of different churches with a bunch of different friends but never really had a home mm -hmm. church um now i was saved my mom actually started coming some when we were going to salem and i think i was about 10 when um you know she decided we 
needed to be saved and we went down there and were baptized and I guess uh, became members of the church at that time. But even after that, it kind of fell off. Mm -hmm. And so there was never, uh, and there, there wasn't a lot of talk about Christian lifestyle mm -hmm. within the home. Uh, so that, that my point was, how do you reach the lost people who don't have that firm foundation of knowing who God and Jesus are other than they're good people, you go to church and worship them, you know, God can do miracles, but you don't develop the relationship of who who right. that is so that you can have the relationship with them, to right. trust, to build the trust that you need in order to, to go forward with, you know, surrendering right. everything. Right. And I think that's a big issue with trying to reach the lost people who have no idea who God or Jesus is. <clears throat> You're or trying, trying to, to tell reach them. people that you know um, that when your life has changed right. um, and you've, you know, like where you are in your life and, and your surrender and your relationship with Jesus and ha people that you knew before that change in life and they see you after. Right, and then you try to tell them that to surrender everything to somebody that they don't no, mm -hmm. it makes mm -hmm. it hard to grasp and understand. And I think when you are, because my childhood church experience is very similar to yours. And so people, I think, look at me and maybe assume that I was raised in church because I'm married to a preacher. And it's not that I wasn't raised in church, but it was a different situation. It wasn't a, a mom and a dad taking me to church every Sunday morning, being raised in Sunday school and situations like that. And so I think when you come from that kind of viewpoint of church, God is up here. Mm -hmm. He's this person that's on this pedestal that mm -hmm. you uh, learn to be the creator of the of the world, the giver of life and all good things, mm -hmm. but you miss the relationship with Jesus because that is something that is a personal thing right. that you come to and you don't um, you don't get taught that and that comes through discipleship and I feel like in my life in my personal experience I was not discipled mm -hmm. as a child in the church um, and so like when I became saved as a child I didn't tell anybody I didn't know it was something I should share with anyone mm -hmm. and I wasn't baptized as a child um, because I didn't know mm -hmm. I didn't I didn't know I needed to tell somebody that I was saved and well, then you don't know too like God's just on the pedestal and you think you got to get up to his standards to mm -hmm. meet him if you don't know him because mm -hmm. you don't understand that he's down here with you. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's much easier to meet somebody when they're coming to you, but you don't you don't know that, you know, if nobody well, ever. Well, I think a good answer for the question is not how do you reach what did it for y'all? I mean, what was it that clicked from your point of view to saying, "Hey, this is well, I mean, this is what I need. This is the true relationship I need. And you finally started grasping and understanding. I think I had like that that conviction, that gnawing, you mm -hmm. know, going on probably from teenager mm -hmm. on. It was just a gnawing. There's something different. Something's missing. something's missing. And I mean, that carried on into my 30s. You know, I checked off every box you could check off to be successful, and still there was just something missing. But for me, it was probably when, um, I mean, when my mom passed away. That was probably the first time that I actually saw God. He met me there. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to cry on camera, but, yeah. you know, he took, 
He gave me that peace that I needed in that time, mm -hmm. and he met me at it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It and was that, the first time you were open to seeing it, probably, too. He'd right. been there before. You right. just, like, you weren't right. there. You didn't know to look for it. Right. I think, especially people who were not raised in church, the, the friends I have, um, there's kind of two different camps they sit in. This camp of, oh, it's great that you have that, and it gives you whatever it gives. And I'm, I'm glad that you have that. And sure, I'll, I'll go to church with you if you invite me to and do this, that, and the other. And, and they're fine and they're easier kind of to probably build a bridge to. And then you have the camp of that. Well, how can you even believe in something like that? How can you, I mean, you, you, you know, you can't, that's not even, that's, it's quit. You're, you, are, you are trying to make up this thing that gives you comfort. You know, very kind of that atheism feel without even, they probably don't think they're atheists, but they have a very atheistic viewpoint. And, and that, that's going to be you praying for them and, and leaving it up to God. Because I think sometimes the, the best thing you can do is be that example and be that relationship because you can't feel that for them. You can't you can't build that bridge for them. Those people, th those and those, can even the other camp, the welcome to join you because they don't they're get have whatever belief you want to have that makes you happy. That's great. They have to build their own bridge too. But it's easier for you to walk across that bridge with them than it is that that camp that doesn't believe at all and thinks you're foolish for believing. And what you have to do is pray for them and show them that you love them no matter what. That you, you don't, we don't have to believe the same things, but I'm going to require that you respect my belief. But that's okay. I still love you and we can still have this friendship, but I'm praying for you, mm -hmm. you know, and being there for them. Because you're right, that trust is the big mm -hmm. piece. And mm -hmm. they have to trust, that's going to be the biggest piece. Eventually that trust is going to be between them and God. When God brings them to that same moment you had, mm -hmm. that same moment broken, I had, right. that broken point of, okay, God, I know you're there and I've just been holding back the surrender of my life. Mm -hmm. Because I think there are some who believe, they believe God is who he says he is. They believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again and saved them from their sins. But they have yet to step over that point to I'm ready to surrender my life That's to that. I want my it's control hard. over my life because I've been in control of my life forever, and now you're asking me to surrender you know, it to God and change. let Him lead me. You got to do you a complete 180. Right. And what, you become you know, that new creation. Going back to something like you said is sometimes we're not patient with people. That's right. Mm -hmm. We can be too pushy because we've been in it. We were raised. Those of us who were raised right. in church were there, and we understand. The eternal aspect of That's it. Right. We don't know how much time we've been given. You don't know what tomorrow holds. Mm -hmm. If you leave this world without Christ. However, sometimes we forget before we were saved, even though we were in church and knew all the churchy language mm -hmm. and lingo. Like Christianese. We were just as lost. And if right. we would have passed, you know, we'd have went to hell. Right. And so my point is this. Sometimes we as believers need to realize how patient God was with us. Right. Still is. And, yeah, and still is, but how, you know, he showed grace. And That's he right. continued to show grace and grace till we got to that mm -hmm. point to where he's the one eventually got us there. Mm -hmm. and, and through that loving relationship, you know, I, I, I was drilled at Bruton Parker College by one of my professors. He kept telling us, uh, he said, telling us preacher boys, he said, they ain't going to ever care how much you know till they know how much you care. That's right. 
and you just got to show people that un- it's not like you you're agreeing with everything they do, but you need to show them unconditional love and love them and be that example in front of them. And you're not the Holy Spirit. Right. That's right. You're his agent. You're being used by him, but only the Holy Spirit can bring the true conviction uh, that is needed. And I think sometimes you know we we forget that. And I think that's it. Like, you know, what brings us to that point of brokenness or that point of understanding is the Holy Spirit. It's he was there. It's when we finally get to a willingness to. to well, you don't have him. anything I, I have left a, in I the have tank. A very close close right. friend who is older than me and I've been working on that cat for over 20 years right and um, and there have been points I mean it looks like it was this close mm-hmm. and then hesitation and, people, and what, we what to, do you do I yeah. keep on praying you just keep, right. on, keep being on showing keep on loving life and just Christ. being there and just my prayer is God mm-hmm. somehow some way you're gonna change that heart yeah. and you know you have up until that point of death to make that, to, to cry out to God, you know, and and I believe people are until they can are no longer in their right mind, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's as um, you know someone could be so sick they're not a- ever able to make you know decisions like that anymore. But you have up until the very last second of your life to make that decision, and you never know, you know, the Holy Spirit may have been convicting this person for a long time. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, they put off and they put off, and here they come to that this moment of crisis yeah. of in your humanity. And at that last Very moment, you draw, and you may spend not but one second on this earth as a Christian, yet it counts. Yeah. Right. And, you know. and we see that the thief with the, the thieves on the cross. Mm-hmm. If you read Matthew's account, both are ridiculing Jesus. Right. Mm-hmm. But somewhere along the line, one realized. That's right. And, and I agree with that 100%. I'm glad of it. But I also caution folks. Right. You can't wait for it. Most folks die the way they live. That's right. So don't don't push that out there if somebody's listening say, I can put it off some more. Yeah, I think that's more the hope for the Christian who is trying to reach someone that doesn't ever see that movement. Right. That don't worry. Mm -hmm. You do your job. And let God do His. And, and, From the lost person, He needs to. Right. And God, now is the and, time. And Jesus taught a parable on that parable of the 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 the, the workers in the vineyard. Mm-hmm. Some work all day. Mm-hmm. Some come at noon. Some come at three. And then the owner paid the same so, thing. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, and some of them started complaining. I've been working. It's like Christian. I've been doing this all the time. Mm-hmm. And then the, the the one only been working for a few hours getting the same wage. And, and what Jesus was teaching there, my grace. Yeah, right. What I have, I, I'm willing to offer to anyone. Going back to what Greta had said in the beginning, you know, and I was, I had a, I have an odd kind of full circle story. I grew up in church from the time I was two, mama and daddy for whatever. Daddy's daddy was a preacher and had grown up in church and mama had not. And when I was two, they just decided we should probably go to church. And from that time on, I mean, if the doors were open, we were at the church. But I think for me, I was saved. I went on a billion mission trips overseas in the country. I mean, anything you could do. I mean, I looked like the model Christian teenager. I was real well-behaved, but all my friends were at church. So I was really going to church because all my friends went to church. and It was the right thing to do. And then I remember in college, I had the Christian radio station on in my car and some girls got in the car with me and I thought I gotta change this radio station because they are going to look at me and say 
you were the biggest hypocrite. I'd made some real cruddy decisions in college for lots of years, and I thought, I, I got to turn this off. Like, and I still, to this day, think, like when I post something on Facebook about church, like yesterday I put we'd gone somewhere, and I mm -hmm. said, if you don't have a church, can't call your church member's family, come join us at Antioch. And I'm like, golly, those girls that I knew in college, where I <laughs> ruined my testimony for four years and ruined what could have been such an amazing witness, and several of them are not Christians, they're going to look at that and be like, what's gotten into her? What was she decided this time? And so I feel that, and I'm not from Sylvester, so it's not so much with people that I know here now that I've grown mm -hmm. into an adult who makes much better life choices. But, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's hard to mm -hmm. think about explaining to someone that change in you. Right. So that's when you were talking, I thought about that. that well, it's we just, fear judgment. We yes. always fear. It's like when I walked in and I saw you here and I thought, oh, wait, Jenny, I know from work. I don't know Jenny from church. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, wait a minute. I got to reacclimate myself. But all I but, can think is, oh, my gosh, there's the preacher's <laughs> wife. And she's going to look at me at work tomorrow and be like, she doesn't know, know what she's I tell doing. Myself, <laughs> but, you know, it's like that's our immediate human right. reaction is mm -hmm. to become intimidated by the people who see us in different lights. Mm -hmm. But if we are, and I try, like I'm not going to ask you to answer this question, but I try to be who God has made me to be in all aspects of life. One, because it's just too difficult to be anybody else. Mm -hmm. And so when we're walking the Christian walk, we don't always get it right. We make bad choices. We have to repent. We have to go back and, and punt and regroup and figure out where we went wrong. But when we're living the Christian life, when we are pursuing Christ on a daily basis, personally, corporately, and we take Christ with us wherever we go, into the workplace. Jason preaches it to our congregation all the time, that your workplace, your ball field, your wherever God has put you is your mission field. Mm -hmm. And it's not that you've got to go beating everybody upside the head with... Do you know Jesus? It's that you've got to live as Christ. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something the Holy Spirit has really, maybe in the last six months, just really continuously laid on my heart is, I mean, I get really frustrated at work or at my house with the kids or, you know, this. and But now I can turn it off real quick. You know, you're yelling mm -hmm. at your kids walking in the church Sunday morning. Really, you know, they didn't do anything. You just overslept. And, you know, you can turn it on and off and trying to have that consistent witness mm -hmm. all the time. And that's, to me, that's one of the hardest things to do is to make sure that in every situation. But it doesn't like mean that. perfection. Yeah, you have to be real. It means yeah. that when you yeah. make the mistake, you do the right steps to amend it and to make it better. Yeah, and that's because, almost more important than being perfect. You can't right, be perfect. Right. It's being willing to admit I'm not perfect. Right. And that person that you just did whatever to, even your child saying, mm -hmm. I'm sorry, forgive mm -hmm. me. That's that's all, you know, that's part of the human nature. Jo uh, from Jason and I's point of view, because a preacher, people see we're preachers, so they expect that. So when we walk out there into the world, they expect you to have done right. And you have to be constantly aware of that. I had to go and pick up a sandwich for Bailey the other night. She wanted a sandwich for supper, so I went to the local sandwich shop, 
stood in my line. So you have to, you know, you, you can't get agitated. You can't get mad. You can't say, I wish these folks would hurry up. You stand in line, you put your smile on your face and you wait your turn. So I waited my turn. I came around and the lady across the counter making the uh, sandwiches for me said, you're a preacher, aren't you? So, you know, they know who you are out there. You may not know them, but they know who you are. Mm -hmm. So you, you have to make sure that you are aware of that. And, and, and it's not that you're trying to be holier than thou. No, no, uh, no. Um, we, you know, the pastor aspect has something to do with that. But I've just always just try to be conscious of what I say, what I do, how I react, how mm -hmm. I act, because I know I'm only have one shot with an individual. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And first, I know who I'm trying to live for. Mm -hmm. And again, I, you know, living for the Lord is not burdensome. You know, we think. Oh, I got to do this, do that. Right. Well, living for the Lord's a joy. Mm -hmm. I mean, knowing what He has done for me, I can never do enough to repay that. Mm -hmm. But just the joy, He says, "I've done this for you. Live for me." Mm -hmm. that, that's a blessing. And when it does become a burden, it's when we're getting too wrapped up in in the things, mm -hmm. in the steps, and we're losing sight of the relationship. Right. When you are taking that quiet time to reflect on who God is. And your focus is not, have I done all the things? The focus becomes, have I met with Christ today? Have I let him fill me up so that I can go out and make it through a day? And I think that's what we sometimes miss in explaining. Because we explain to our kids, we explain to people, do you start on the cross? I mean, just that basic, and we do miss that relationship. Mm -hmm part of it and it's not till you get that relationship part that I think you really understand or can find any joy in it other than I, I need to get up on Sunday and go because I should do it and it turns into that I want to do it and I think that's something that you know, after not being able to be in church last spring mm -hmm. I mean that first Sunday back last May mm -hmm. it really hit me you know we've always been able to just go to church and Usually I go, oh, gosh, <laughs> I could have slept. I got other things, you know. Oh, yeah. But that joy of attending church, and then last Sunday when I was in the first service where we got to sing, mm -hmm. I mean, I b cried through the first song mm -hmm. because, you know, it was just that joy of getting to do the things that we take for granted so much. And I think we take that relationship with Jesus for granted sometimes and, that's when we don't find that joy and peace and satisfaction in life because we are just checking the boxes. And you're filling it with other things. Yes. I will say, I mean, we. there comes a time, just going back to this, how do you have that conversation with people? There does come a time when you have to have that iron sharpens iron conversation. If you're, If it's someone that you love and you see that they're going down a path that's going to destroy them and that you feel led by the spirit to you know even if it's someone that's not a christian to say you know what you're doing is wrong and it's hurtful and but you have to make sure you're doing it for the right reasons too often i think we as christians throw out that you know well jesus condemned well first of all we're not jesus you know we can't act like we we are able to make that judgment call he but he does say that we are to call truth truth and lie lie and i think we have to but you have i am very cautious of how i do that because you cannot you can ruin 
someone's ability to trust mm -hmm. if you do that. So you do have to be careful how you have, and, they, they, it, and to me, anytime you're going to use that principle of that iron sharpens iron thing is it has to be someone that you have a relationship with mm -hmm. that knows that you're doing it because you love mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. and, and the thing is, you just have to know, and I think it's the Holy Spirit thing, just know that time and situation because you see in scripture where Jesus was gentle with people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Jesus asked questions. Like he, when he found the woman at the well, he didn't go up to her and say, you're committing adultery. Mm -hmm. I see you. I know what you've been doing. He asked her, where is your husband? Mm -hmm. And so when we take something like that and take not just what he said, but how he said it. So when you have somebody that you see, you feel like they're going astray or they're, they need something pointed out to them. I think it's easier for somebody to answer a question than to try to be defensive against judgment. Mm -hmm. And so when you ask them, you put whatever it is in the form of a question, you know, because that's what Jesus did. He, mm -hmm. he never just came out and point blank that I can recall. Now, you preachers may tell me. If he just came out and just said, this yeah. is what you've done. Well, he may have against the Pharisees. Pharisees. Right, He's because the they should have known better. Yeah, he was, he would, the self-righteous, and that, that was what I was pointing. Some people he was gentle with, some he asked, asked questions with, but then there was others, those that should have known. Mm-hmm. He was, I mean, you, you get to Matthew 23, you whitewash tombs, mm -hmm. you brood of vipers. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was pretty ruthless with them. Mm -hmm. But it had been building up mm -hmm. to a point. Those who were abusing <clears throat> the weak mm -hmm. and the oppressed, yes. which in his time, for, for his mission, was that religious sect mm -hmm. that said, here is the way. Those who but, were condemning others. Yeah. When they and they were saying, you need to sacrifice go buy your sacrifices around here in this temple market, you know, because we're going to make a little change off that too, you know, mm -hmm. in types of, so he was very, very direct and accusatory and condemning with that group. Mm -hmm. But with those that, that didn't, th those oppressed groups, those that didn't know him, he was, he was like, what, what would you do? And he, he, or he would give a parable yeah. to mm -hmm. teach, you know, and, and things like that. Or he'd befriend them and went to their house. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And had supper with them. Yes. And get himself right. in trouble. That's so, it. So why are you going to eat with sinners? Why are you That's doing right. this? Mm -hmm. I think back to where we started too, where, where Greta's question is, but ties into this is when, when we're trying to help someone that that's trying to know Jesus and they have a high level of some knowledge, asking questions will help to find out what they know. And in our day especially, what do the words mean to them? Because not everything a person says means the same thing to mm -hmm. you. Right. Because, because sometimes what they're thinking is not what you're thinking, and all the definitions and words no longer mean the same. Mm -hmm. Especially today, we're seeing a, a shift. And when somebody says, well, do you believe in God? Well, we automatically think the God of the Bible. But that's not what's always being said right. by everybody around you. So, or, you know, we need to probe just a little bit deeper. And that might help that person understand. And it might help us understand where that person is. Not everybody ha has a biblical worldview anymore. Right. Most of us at least came up with some biblical worldview. You had some idea 
of what the Bible is and what it's about. But we've got folks today that you walk around and touch every day that have no clue of what's in that well, book. Well, and it's, they're saturated with it on TV. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's completely anti-God. Mm-hmm. Every, you, you can't watch anything. I mean, they can say GD on mm-hmm. TV, but... Right. But you, you know, can't say Jesus. But you can't say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe yeah. you can, but you yeah. know, just saying. Well, and I think we've um, we've done the Bill Fay sharing Jesus without fear. Um, mm-hmm. If you've read that book, it's a very simple book. His methods that he uses um, are effective, and he teaches that you know God doesn't call us to be successful; He calls us to be obedient. Mm-hmm. And one of his ways of trying to to gauge where somebody is on the you know, spirituality scale, for lack of better terms, is he asked the question, who is Jesus to you? Mm-hmm. Because you're right. People come from all different directions. And if you ask the question, do you believe in God? Well, most of the people that you talk to will say yes. But when they believe in God, they believe him as maybe the creator. They don't necessarily know him as their personal savior. And so uh, when you ask a broad question like, who is God, there's no telling where they could be coming from. I think a lot probably don't realize the the triune. I mean, God, the Father, the Son. Right, and because, you know, the Trinity is even such a concept that it's difficult for believers to sometimes to, you know, swallow to, that. Or even, or just to explain. It's right. like, we can, we can intellect <laughs> it enough and, and you can think it and say, okay, I understand that. And you can understand how that applies to you personally, but then go to try to try explain, to explain that to somebody. to somebody else who you don't, don't even know. I was in lesson this morning. We were in Hebrews, but we were talking about Jesus and it was, okay, well, the reason he's the perfect preacher and teacher and everything is because he designed all that because he is God, but he's also a human that ate mm-hmm. and drank and walked, but he's also the spirit because mm-hmm. they're all in one. And it's, it's very tough. It is. And I was listening to y'all. I did not grow up in church. I mean, I went a few times. I knew there was a God. I knew there was a Jesus. I didn't grow up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I was probably trying to corrupt preacher man very, very much in high school, and he resisted me wonderfully. Um, That was me. I I was driving that bus and throwing people on there with me. Um, Not in a mean way or anything, but uh, I didn't. Any Christianese, nope, don't have a clue. Mm -hmm. Went a few times, but y'all going on church trips? Whatever, I'm gone. Mm -hmm. Later in my life, a good friend of mine kept saying, you need to come to church. Uh Uh-uh, you need to come to church. No. Why won't you come to church? I am not going to listen to Jason Jones preach because that's where I was being invited to. <laughs> I gave in one day. What changed it for me? I'm not saying I became a Christian that day. What opened it for me other than God had already worked on my heart? Jason preached the truth out of the Bible without sugarcoating it. He wasn't rude. He wasn't mean. He wasn't hateful. He just preached what the Bible said. And that was it. That started a process with me that I opened my heart to hear what Jesus had to say, and I became saved and been pretty much ever since then. So I don't want to give you know preacher man over here a big head, but he's one of the reasons <laughs> that I became a Christian in the sense of he didn't give me the prosperity gospel. Mm-hmm. He didn't try to sugarcoat it. He just he said what it was, and that, and that was it. And he would because always that's enough. It, it was always enough. It was always. 
well, you can go read it for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was a big thing for me. Read it? I was walking to church. Yeah. Yeah. I started reading for myself. Mm-hmm. So it goes a long way. But um, not to get off topic, but a topic I wanted to bring up, which y'all kind of brought up, was mm-hmm. being the hypocrite. Mm-hmm. You're trying to preach to somebody and they're calling you a hypocrite. One, because they know the lives we used to live and don't know we have changed. Or you're, you're trying to preach to somebody, or you see somebody preaching to somebody or trying to share the word, but you're like, you're having an affair. You're, 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 you're not tithing. You're breaking every one of the Ten Commandments all the way down. How do you expect that person to believe what you're saying? And I think even with smaller things, I think, I mean, you know, they can see you lose your temper over something you shouldn't mm-hmm. or not treat someone with kindness. or I mean, even little things, I think, just can ruin mm-hmm. the witness because, or if they see people stressed, I mean, this is stressed out, frustrated, unhappy, something's always wrong, like, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, now this, now this, if I can just mm-hmm. get to this, I just... Everything's wrong. Why would why would they even? I mean, you're telling me Jesus makes your life joyful. You ain't not. I mean, you know, even little things. I think we always think of the big things, but I think it's the little things too that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, people look at you like you said. Yeah. You hey, you got to find out where they're at. He's and still what working they on mean. me. Every like, day. I feel like Jenny just described every, every Monday. No, like But I just you always got to remember he's still working on me. You know, it's that little children's song. Oh, and that's just an idea, too, that, like, it's because saved. we're saved, that saved. we're just these happy-go-lucky people and nothing wrong ever happens. Mm-hmm. It's it's just ignorance because they, they don't know enough They don't know to that know the Bible actually tells you that you're when gonna you be, accept Christ as right. your Savior, you're going to be persecuted. If Christ suffered, what makes you think you're not going to suffer? suffer? I mean, he said, not, maybe not in so many words like that. You guys can probably It doesn't necessarily that. mean that you still don't have the joy because... Mm-hmm. The joy, you know, what it counted all, isn't it? Yes, counted all, so joy yeah. But I think too, it's got to be. I mean, I would rather know that if I'm going to become a Christian and be like these people, that you know, it's like preacher Bruce said this morning. If you're not struggling from time to time, like something's wrong, you need to look inside. Like you, sh- you should mm-hmm. feel like you don't have it all right and have it all together because if you think you do, you certainly do not. Well, and let's make sure and, we're talking about joy and the difference between joy and happiness. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Like you're not going to be happy mm-hmm. all the time. You're not going to get everything right and everything's not going to be easy mm-hmm. all the time. The joy comes from your salvation and knowing that nothing gets to you that hasn't already gone through Christ, that he didn't already know was going to be there, and that he doesn't already have a plan for how to get you through it. See, joy, and you have to know that happiness is an emotion. Right. Mm -hmm. Joy is a character trait. It's a state of being. it's a choice. It is is a choice. It is something that is... Yes, the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah, it is part of you. It is part of your internal philosophy I, 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 as a, I do HR work and I tell people all the time this job's not going to make you happy mm-hmm. you know if you're looking for something to make you happy that's not going to work you need to find joy 
which is something that's an internal thing that you're able to bring to something else, which will give you emotions. Because if we're a Christian, if we rely on emotions, we are, we're going to be like this yes. mm -hmm. all, the time. all the time. And you're going to be at the whim of whatever is going on in the world. Right. You, the emotions will, if you are, if you fall in love with somebody, your emotions will lead you down the path of being with the wrong person, you know, because you're just depending on that flesh. Emotion is flesh, you know, and, and things like that. And, but if you're looking for those intrinsic things, that God has put in us and that, that those character pieces, like you said, the fruit of the spirit that he develops within us when we are willing to spend that time with him, then that allows our emotions to be driven by those things rather than by the whims and flow of things that are going on externally. Still don't know that we addressed Benji's yeah, question of what. I, 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 was want, I was wanting to answer yeah. the, first, no, I, well, the first part of that. Well, question. I, I was saying like we talked about it, and it's another yeah. question. Mm -hmm. I kind of went into it, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it's a. I've been approached many times. Mm -hmm. and I, I think one thing too I want to say is. You have to be first and foremost one to say, yeah, you're right. I did used to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. I did do this. I do that. I'm still not perfect at it. Sometimes I'll fall back, and here's why. I think the question was more in a stand of that person's actively living that way and not trying well, to change the thing, that. The thing is where the person, you know, okay, they knew what you once were, mm -hmm. but now you're something different. You're a new creature. It's going to take time. Mm -hmm. And the reason I say it takes time is simply look at the Apostle Paul. He was Saul on the way mm -hmm. to Damascus, mm -hmm. and the Lord radically converted him. I mean, he was binding Christians, throwing them in jail, consenting to Christians' death. And then God spoke to Ananias. Send a Saul to you. What? <laughs> yeah, what? <laughs> Why? He had a reputation. Mm -hmm. I mean, no, he's not coming to my house because if he comes to my house, he's going to put me in jail. No. Mm -hmm. I've called him. I've saved him. I'm setting him aside. And so between the time he Saul got there, God been working on Ananias' heart because mm -hmm. when Ananias saw Saul, he said, Brother Saul. <laughs> he recognized him as a believer. But just also think when word began to circulate about him to the apostles and the rest of the church, they were hesitant. Mm -hmm. It took time. Mm -hmm. But over time, what they start seeing? Evidence. They start seeing the evidence, evidence. that fruit, mm -hmm. the fruit of the Spirit that... God's anointing, God's calling was on this man's life. And it's, I saw this on Facebook, and it doesn't have really nothing to do with this, but it was just talking about Paul's mm -hmm. life. And it just, it just, I mean, it just nailed me thinking about it. Those that Paul martyred, or at least consented to their martyrdom. I saw, I saw it. When Paul died, they were cheering him into heaven. That's right. Mm -hmm. I mean, what does that? Yeah. Uh -huh. the Holy Spirit. Only the gospel. Right. I mean, Amen. The whole, only That's God right. can do that. I mean, you would mm -hmm. think, no, okay, you know, they cheer, welcome home. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's just That's, the gospel. That shows it, it, it the power take, of, yeah. of what the work of God mm -hmm. is. That mm -hmm. I saw it was a meme. Yeah. And, and that really, I mean, I saw that and I got chill bumps on yes. me when you just said I got chill bumps because we think of the people nowadays that we give up on. Yeah. You know, or that the, the world has given up on. Mm -hmm. You know, don't you be the one? Don't you want to be the one cheering? Yeah. 
when the Lord receives them into heaven. Yeah. You know, and we need to to not be so cold as to turn away from people just mm-hmm. because they're not pretty or yeah. just because their situation's not pretty yeah. or just because it's not comfortable to us. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it, it, I mean it's, this happened 15 years. We had our 10-year class reunion. And I saw some buddies at the reunion they hadn't seen since high school. And they're like, what are you doing now? And one of them said, he's a preacher. You're a preacher? Well, I remember in high school you did such and such. I was <laughs> like, yeah, I did. But that's not who I am now. Mm-hmm. And and that's all, you know, that's all you can that's all you can well, say. It's that's a, not it's, who, it's a who I am Satan. anymore. Mm-hmm. That's who I was as, you know, being young and stupid and immature. But now this is who I am in the Lord. Mm-hmm. And um, you can have that too. Mm-hmm. Of course, they didn't want to hear it, that, but it's there's a tool always of the, that. There's two things going on. It's a tool of the devil mm-hmm. that would love to trick you and say, well, then you just need to be quiet because somebody's going to say something about your past. Mm-hmm. That's the devil saying, be quiet. Yeah. And you can't allow that to take place because there's always going to be an accuser. And that's one of the names of the devil. He's an accuser. And they're trying to make themselves feel better. Yeah. Right. And so that's the opportunity you have that Jason just said to that person is, yeah, do you remember who I was? And they, oh, yeah, they'll recite something. That's what God can do. Mm-hmm. He changed me from being that person to the person I am now. Now, listen, I'm not perfect. I still make mistakes, but I'm a different person. Mm-hmm. So that's a testimony. And you, yeah. that, 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 that is a tremendous testimony. And that person then, that's in their mind. Mm-hmm. They, that, that, that's something you don't, you're not being judgmental to them. You're not doing anything. But you've just been a tremendous testimony to that person. So that's one way to take it. The other side of that is that person that's out here that is, is uh, trying to actually make themselves feel better by witnessing to someone, but they're living a hypocritical lifestyle, living an open, blatant sin. Well, the Bible warns against that. Uh, The Bible starts off a warning. There was two people named Ananias and Sapphira. Mm -hmm. They they, they were believers, but but they lied to God. They was out here, and God took their lives. Mm -hmm. God's very serious about how his name is used. And I would go to a person that's that and say, now, if you are a believer... You know you're living. You have a right to tell that person they are living a lifestyle that is opposite of what the Bible says. And the Bible says there'll be no adulterers in heaven. Mm-hmm. There'll be no fornicators in heaven. The Bible says you don't have to tell them that. The Bible tells them there'll be no liars there. If you keep this up mm-hmm. and doing what you're doing, I would be scared if I was you. God just might take your life. Mm-hmm. And listen, if you're not saved. It's time you started thinking. You're out here talking about folks being saved and living this. The Bible says that's not the lifestyle of a child of God. I'd like to talk with you about being saved. I, I would. I would be very. I would be like Jesus and the Pharisees and the, and the Sadducees on that person, mm-hmm. because they're living up a lifestyle above that normal person. I'd be fair, fairly bold with that person, and I'd say we're going to talk serious about. And that's kind of how I approach that person. I let them know. Well, first and foremost. You already know that they, they at least know Bible because they're teaching. You need to go to them privately and confront them and be open about it. Mm-hmm. And then if they don't, then what does the Bible say we're supposed to do? Mm-hmm. And they look, kind of looked at me and I said, then we're supposed to make it more public and we're supposed to bring in bring our, feather, our fellow followers mm-hmm. with it. And then if we need to, then we need to make it you know, more public but address them. If this person's truly saved, they may not like you at that moment. Mm-hmm. 
But it'll be the truth. As long as you're doing the truth and not a hateful way. You're right. just trying to look, look, I know you're struggling with this, but you're actually hurting the testimony and actually turning that other person mm -hmm. away and you're ruining mm -hmm. what God's already done in their life. They've already had that seed mm -hmm. planted mm -hmm. and now you're not watering it. You're, mm -hmm. you're not fertilizing it. And I told him, you know, it. you need to be loving about it, but, but blunt about it. Don't tiptoe around it. Mm -hmm. You know, don't, <laughs> don't do it in a, in, in a mean way. No, this, so morning, be firm. I, this morning I preached on the judgment seat of Christ mm -hmm. in 2 Corinthians 5. You know, Paul said, therefore we make it our aim, our goal, to be present or to be pleasing to who? Jesus. And again, why, why do we aim to please him? Because of what he has said in chapter 4 and 5. He's leading up to it. The, the treasure we possess as believers, Christ living in us, and the eternal hope that he gives us, a new home and a, res, a resurrected body one day. This is why we, because of everything Christ has done, we just live to try to please him. But then he goes for, we must all appear. Mm -hmm. And the word appear just doesn't mean to stand. It means it's going to be a revealing. Yeah. And he's not talking to lost people here. He's talking to... The same, that we're going to have to give an account at the judgment seat of Christ for what we have done in the body, whether good or bad, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, going back to what you, you know, kind of what you said, you know, God will take his children to the woodshed. Mm -hmm. Hebrews tells us that we persuade men because why? We know the terror of the Lord. And we try to come alongside somebody if, if they truly are saved and they are backslidden or whatever you want to call it. We need to, you know, call that out so hopefully they can come mm -hmm. back into a more proper fellowship with the Lord. Yep. Yep. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, this brother that was openly sinning in the church, yeah. and, uh, and said, listen, warn him. If he won't listen, put him out of the church. Mm -hmm. Give him to the devil that the devil might uh, discipline him, and hopefully he will see his senses, return, mm -hmm. repent, and be of use. Yeah. And so... I mean, we don't do that anymore. We just let sin just run rampant. Because we're afraid to offend somebody. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's a, you know, it, you're just having to weigh your options because are they saved in the first place? Right. Not Which is everybody above, who calls not, me Lord you know, because you know them by them fruit. You know, and, and John writes in his epistle, First John, he said, well, if they ever leave us, they were never a part of us in the first yeah. place. Right. But they left that it might, might be made manifest known that they were really never part of the the church yeah. anyway. Right. And that also gets into when you're talking to people about sin. And I, I had a conversation with a guy at work the other day, and, and he's a believer, so it was a, a really good conversation. We were just had a moment, and so we talked. But when you're trying to talk to people about what is sin, okay, you really need to dive in on where they come from because, I mean, I'll go through one other homosexuality. Well, yeah, well, back in Leviticus, it plainly states, and who was saying that? Mm -hmm. That was the law that was given to Moses then. Mm -hmm. A man shall not lay with a man as a woman, and it depends on your translation, but then it goes into bestiality. Um, it goes into people, in, um, and you have to understand where they come from. I'm going <coughs> to use Jason as an example. Alcohol. Mm -hmm. Jason's had family members that alcohol about destroyed them and about destroyed their family. So he's going to have a little different take from somebody who has never had that. But is the alcohol itself the sin? Or is it what the alcohol makes you do, how you act, if you can't control it? You know, some people will say it's okay to sit around and just have a beer. Well, it may be okay to sit around and have a beer at your house. But is it glorifying God? One person. That's the question but for are the you glorifying believer. glorifying God do all when things you do for it. the glory for of me, God? For me, I used to drink. 
not gonna lie, I don't drink anymore. And part of mine was I never could find a reason at a party or anything where I would be glorifying God by me drinking. Okay? You got to do that. But how come people think of sin in different ways? Because in the world's aspect, especially well, right now, ain't nothing why, to sin. That's Have exactly fun. why it's, it's what we're fed from the world. It's okay to, you know, take whatever you want. If somebody, you know, does you wrong, you get them back. Mm-hmm. You can drink whatever Turn you want. Turn the other cheek or dress, eye for an eye, they take it out of context. Dress with everything hanging out. Mm-hmm. And those people are the ones that are being glorified on the stage, mm-hmm. getting all the awards and, you know, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And so it's just become the norm. That's why people are lost or confused about what they can and can't do. Because the world that, teaches you you can do anything. And that is that what if it the feels devil, good, yeah. go for and it. And that is, that is why he has attacked family. That is why he has attacked culture. That is why he has attacked our children. You know, because, because if you, it's a multi-prong. I mean, it, you, we have to look at it the way, the way it is. It is a, it is, I'm trying to think of the word we talked about a couple of weeks ago. It is a um, supernatural attack. Mm-hmm. Because he is using well, it's all spiritual warfare, right? Yeah, he is using these these ideas and things and and, and making it okay, so it's caused that confusion. Yeah. Because he is the, he is the author, author of, of confusion. confusion. Mm-hmm. So so he is winning that war, and mm-hmm. it's up to you know that is why we must be that light, you know that salt that's going to preserve and that light that is you know the. The, what dark, what is darkness? Darkness is the absence of light. Right. Well, and I think you it's know. even in our homes. I mean, we've all got, uh, I don't know you, Benji. I just met you tonight. I don't know yes. if you have children <laughs> yes. or not. Children, yes. But I know all the rest I've of us I've got a have. 16-year-old and a 20-year-old. All right, so. well, you're, there you go. Um, <laughs> I have a fourth and sixth grader. And, you know, nothing is not That's okay. Right. Like, mm-hmm. when I was little, there were some things, like, I can't ever imagine giving an example when I was my children's age where a murder was okay or mm-hmm. you know just some of these blatant things that or stealing or destroying someone's business because you're mad at them mm-hmm. or throwing bread I mean no that's not okay but what our kids see on the news what we all there is nothing that's not okay anymore does In that right make sense yeah like everything's so justified even for them you know it's it's hard to even explain to children why this is wrong and this isn't, and they're usually mm-hmm. more accepting of the truth than adults are. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's amazing to me in the 20 years I've been out of high school, I'm 21, 22, something like that, just the absolute destruction of any absolute, there's no, the world has no absolutes anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. No. Absolutely. Everything's relative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, my children, like I, I'm an early Christian, daddy was like, I still drank. I didn't never get drunk by then, but he drank and things that we did, temper stuff. Um, I mean, I would like for my kids, they wouldn't get on camera, but to tell y'all, and I, my son has said it before. Daddy, there's different from when you got mad when we were younger versus mad now. Mm-hmm. I was scared of you. I'm not scared of you. I'm scared of you, but it's a different kind of scare. Mm-hmm. I'm more it's like a respectful a, refra- fear. a respectful fear instead of, oh man, daddy is going to rip my head off. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, so they've seen that change in me. And that's one thing 
I've had to be open with them, but sitting around, we've, we've had conversations in my house where I'm going, I would have never had this conversation with my parents. But I'm also glad that my kids feel open enough to have those conversations with me because sometimes they really have been along those lines of why do we do this? Why do we not do that? And I've always been able, you know, to, to point it back to the Bible and that it's a, it's a standard, it's a moral that was there um, well beyond. And I'm trying to remember the book, yet yeah, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. Mm-hmm. Even people that we look as haters and mean, hateful people, in that book, they pointed out something. Hitler and Mother Teresa still had same moral aspect of killing's wrong. Mm. Just one had a worldly view, and it was who I don't want to kill, who I decide are the right people, whereas Mother Teresa was all murder, all life's precious. Mm-hmm. Where, do, where does that moral come from, though? And that's where we're at in the world today, I think. The devil's even trying to take away just the moral things that are bred into us as a image bearer of God, mm-hmm. things that is there. I think the devil's trying to take it away from us. I think us. he's about to yeah. be very and successful. I think, and I think we've gotten to the point, and you touched on it too, where we're having to have conversations with our children, with our grandchildren, um, that our parents didn't necessarily have to have with us or maybe they should have and didn't and we just figured it out on our own and I know like you and I have had conversations about that you know with our kids and and I've said several times you know there's just times when I sit down and I just lay it out there Mm -hmm. you know for Marshall and I'll say you know I understand that you see this or that this person may do this in their house but we don't and let me tell you why Mm -hmm. and you know so that you'll understand that it's not just mom and daddy trying to say no that my job is not to tell you no to just make you miserable for the rest of your life. My job is to make sure you understand that this is who we are. Mm-hmm. We're believers in Christ. And because of that, we run our household in this way. Mm-hmm. And so there are things that we deem acceptable or not acceptable. And there's, and there's always a reason why. And sometimes the reason is just because it's not glorifying to God. Mm-hmm. No matter what you do, Always ask yourself, how will God get the glory if I do this? And if you can't come up with a good answer, then you probably shouldn't do it. Yep. And, and we have the opportunity, I see it as an opportunity, to raise a generation that has a different way of thinking than the world. Is it going to be easy? Absolutely no, not. It's putting them being raised by... Because they're trying to be raised in a culture. Bombardment of, you know, iPads, media, right. YouTube, mm-hmm. all And the that. answer is not to shield them from all of that. You know, um, I do think that's maybe something that has, when I was growing up, you, we just didn't have those discussions. You know, you just knew, I mean, my parents did, and I don't know if it was because I was raised in church. And so you heard a lot from the pulpit. So you were able to intuit a lot into your, you know, your consciousness or whatever about what to do and what not to do but that they didn't have to sit me down and have a conversation like this is inappropriate you know this is but i wasn't being barraged in the face with it all the time it wasn't on every tv station you turn to it wasn't on you know in every, every bit of music channel. you listen to and the youtube <laughs> channel and all this kind of stuff and and so i do think we owe it to our kids now you've got to have those 
really just plain conversation so that you know, okay, look, some people think this, it's not okay. You know, uh, it, it, I think we just have to nowadays. You can't expect that they're just going to pick up the right thing because there's too much of the wrong thing out there. Pick up the right thing from. That's right. right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think, you know, when Lainey was saying that Jason always talks about, you know, your work's your mission field, everywhere you go is, but our home is too. And we oh, absolutely. We all have little people living in our houses that you know, both mine have been baptized. One of our two is more curious and open and occasionally peppers the preacher with all kinds of questions and you know one I mean they have both professed faith but you know that's just that first step of them being little that prayer they said mm -hmm. you know is going to be meaningless in 20 years if nobody ever disciples them and mm -hmm. does and you know it is just it is amazing to me the things we're having to talk about mm -hmm. and say because the world tells them whatever whatever is fine. You do it's you. And, and, the you oh, do you culture. I talk yeah. about it all the time. And <laughs> I'm saying the you do you culture. And I want to speak to the two teachers here because my son is dating a, a young lady um, who wants to be, be a teacher. And my daughter has said she wants to be a hist history teacher. Hmm. She ain't too good at history, but she wants to be a history <laughs> teacher. She don't remember things we talked about a few minutes ago. You know, history don't come along well. But I remember in school... There was teachers, they still talked about God to some extent. Nowadays, y'all can't even Well, my children hear me about call the Lord all yeah. the time. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, but in, in the, in the, and I know probably here in our South Georgia yes. aspects are right. different. Society but I'm about has taken Society that out. as mm -hmm. a whole has taken him out. And there's got to be times y'all look at somebody and your heart just pours out. You really just want to hug them or, uh, or be like the... Oh, more than we could ever the, count. The um, God's not dead to scenario. Mm -hmm. You just can't. Or else your job is on the line. You know, and you're, they will take you down and cancel you, I guess, for lack of better terms. I, how do y'all do it? I think we're very <laughs> blessed. I, I never wanted to live in a small town. My daddy's from Cochran. I told my daddy one time... I was, I was moving to New York City or Chicago. I was going to be somebody, and I was doing things after college. <laughs> this was not on my plan. And I told my dad, nobody good lives in a small town. Oh, he reminds me of this all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I am so thankful that I'm not raising children, working in a school, or living even in a large town in Georgia at this point. Mm -hmm. Because I do feel like Sylvester is a very open community to people loving on children, loving on adults, being able to, you know, spread the love of Jesus without feeling like you're right. not going to have a job. And you tomorrow. do it in a way where you're not necessarily saying the name of Jesus no. to a child or to someone else, but you do it in the way that you speak to people, the way you treat people, the way you relay information, the way you handle situations with your peers or with your students. Um, and it's the same for any, for any, uh, you know, life, right you job aspect or anything like that. You just live, you just go each and every day with the mindset of Christ that today, yeah, by, by 3.30, the mindset may be weaker <laughs> than it was at 7.30 that morning. <laughs> but, you know, you go with the mindset of, 
I'm blessed to have this day. The opportunities that God puts in front of me are not always going to be easy. They're going to be stressful, but I have to count them as joy. I have to count them as a blessing to just to have that opportunity to meet this child's small need that may one day be what they remember about mm -hmm. their kindergarten life with Miss Jones. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I always pray that it's something good <laughs> because I have students who come to me. That's like one of the beauties of um, having taught high school and then dropping down to kindergarten is I now have the opportunity to teach the children of some of my former mm -hmm. students. And uh, every time I see one of them walk in the door at open house, I go, oh, my Lord. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know exactly how they're going to, what their memory of Miss Jones will be. But it's it's always they always have something nice to say and I'm thankful. <laughs> but I think it's like anywhere but, else. A few years ago, um, I've been at, I taught first grade. I was an AP. Um, it, I, I, I had to have a change. I, I just no longer felt like God wanted me to be an AP. And when I took my school improvement job, I mean, I'd prayed about it. I had cried about it, and I started praying that God, please. Please, I, there has got to be something more for me when I get to work every day, other than doing my job. But please just let me, let me find somebody that needs to be prayed for. And a girl whose husband's a pastor um, in Albany at Lakeside, or a, an associate pastor, pastor, Sarah mm -hmm. Cornegay, that taught first grade with us, she wandered in my room one day, and we just started talking, and she was like, I was like, well, I got a friend I want you to pray for, Sarah. And she was like, well, I got a family member I want you to pray for. And over the course of that year, you know, it just really, you just, I think in any work situation mm -hmm. where you're, whether you're at the hospital or the church or the subway or the financial office, you just have to be intentional mm -hmm. and ask God to show you how you can be used in your situation. And I think that goes by what you said earlier, having the joy at mm -hmm. your job versus happiness mm -hmm. at your job. Mm -hmm. And, and intentionality, I think, is a is a big thing. Um, now is is I have a um, I had flipped over to the Ananias and uh, Acts about Ananias and Sapphira. Christianity is not something to be treated casual, casually. Mm -hmm. You know, once we become a Christian, you know that is part of our makeup and that is who we are, and so we are to treat it respectfully and with that way because. It took somebody's life to give us that, right? You know, and so that that we do not um, that that we don't treat it casually. That it is an aspect of what we do at work, and what we do at home, and what we do in the public. So that people, when people see us, that they can see that reflected in us, and and hopefully they do see us better now than they did when they knew us before. Right. You know, yeah. um, for the Christian, that is what we hope. Is they hope that they see, I mean, even though I haven't, I mean, I grew up, my dad's a preacher, so, um, and I didn't ever have the wild preacher's kid moment or preacher's anything kids like that. Preacher's always the worst ones. And I, and hey, I, hey, now. I, was, I stayed home, you know, my, my parents taught us when we were growing up, nothing good happens after midnight, and Amen. I lived by that my she entire... Did the same school my daddy did. My daddy did. <laughs> my daddy must have gone there, hey, too. My dad's an EMT paramedic, and I yeah. heard the same thing, but that's because he, he saw a different side of yeah, what happened right. after so I've midnight. I've never felt, you know, I I'm never really drank, smoked, partied, none of that, you know, but, I mean, I have, my life is not pretty, you know, and, and how I've always lived hasn't been pretty, and so I hope 
that that when somebody sees me now versus me 10 years ago that they see the difference that Christ has made in my life even though maybe I don't have the flashbang of some of the other stuff but I hope they see a person that loves God. I feel like we need to come with warning labels that say, let me explain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know, if, if our lives had been perfect and we made perfect choices the whole time, we were always the perfect example, you know, we wouldn't need Jesus. That's, right. that, that's why that's right. we need him. And when mm -hmm. you were talking about the Trinity, I got tickled. My third through sixth grade Wednesday night class, my personal fourth grader asked about the Trinity, and she said, Mom, let's do that for the next few weeks on Wednesday night. I've already had to call the preacher in a few times, gotten in over my head teaching, but that's one of the things we've been talking about is that, you know, if we knew everything, we wouldn't need God. If we were perfect, we wouldn't. I mean, we need Jesus, and I think it's okay for the world to know we're not perfect. We need, I need Jesus every single day, most days more than the previous day. And I think when people see that honesty, that right. I think what makes people matter than anything is when they we they think we think that we do no wrong and That's that right. we're perfect. And I'm certainly not. I mess up every single day, but I need Jesus, and I want the world to know that they need they need that relationship with Jesus. We all no none of us can live the way we're designed to live without Jesus. That's right. That's right. I would like to say that I've I've read this. Because I've done, you know, the 365 days, and I, was, I read, I can't find any person in here but one who was perfect, mm -hmm. and even that perfect person had struggles he had to deal with in his ministry. Mm -hmm. You know, he he called somebody to be the rock and to lead his church, knowing he's going to deny me three times. Mm -hmm. He had to change someone else's heart to allow a Saul to become a Paul, and then to be accepted. For His glory, mm -hmm. none of us have the power to do what He, Jesus, ever did. But every last one of us can fit into a Moses and Abraham, Noah, Peter, Paul, uh, Rebecca. You name it. Go through here. You, you fit in with somebody mm -hmm. in there because none of them were ever perfect. Right. But God used. But God still used yeah. them. Right. And that's what I hope people see with me. We were talking about the hip, being a hypocrite, mm -hmm. and you were talking about coming up in early as that. I have changed. I ain't perfect, mm -hmm. and I don't claim to be, but I have changed. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you why, why? and try to open that conversation. That's right. All right. Well, that's been, I hope it's been a great conversation. I think we all think it's been a great conversation, and, and we may have to do this again because I think there's more that we could talk about here, but um, we, we will wrap up today's episode, and I think that's a good wrap up because we need Jesus. You know, and if you are somebody who's looking for Jesus, we invite you to um, join us at either Antioch Baptist Church or Isabella Baptist Church. We're both um, two church families who love Jesus more than anything else. We right. also happen to love each other quite a bit. Right. And we do lots of stuff together as a church family and, uh, and um, as partners um, in our community. And so we ask that that if if you're looking for somewhere to grow and somewhere that will teach you about Jesus and who he is and what he can do in your life that you join us there. We hope that you were able to understand um, something more about him than you did at the beginning of this. And we thank you for joining us and we'll see you on the next episode of Truth Talk. <laughs>